Well, happy 4th of July, everybody. This, I guess this is still the 4th of July weekend. Um, so it would give us, it would be good for us to reflect at least briefly on the gift of our country and um, the importance of patriotism and religious freedom. I don't know if the United States is the best country in the history of the world, but I think it's pretty close to it. You know, I imagine every, everyone who um, loves his country or her country probably feels the same way. But we have lots and lots of people who want to come to the United States, and the reason for that isn't just our prosperity, but it's also because of our freedom. And that's something that many of us take for granted. And we, we have problems, of course, in the country. There's a lot of injustice and unfairness and maybe uh, bigotry and racism and all kinds of problems that everybody has everywhere in the world. But there's a lot for us to be grateful for. And so as we um, come out of this 4th of July weekend, we should be grateful and ask the Lord to bless our country with virtue so that we might not only um, embody uh, goodness and justice and peace, but also promote that in the world. So we ask the Lord for that. One of the characteristics of the United States that isn't true about many countries is the commitment to religious freedom. That's a characteristic that's been part of us from the beginning. Uh, many of the Europeans who came to this country were coming here because of religious persecution, and they were looking for an escape. They were looking for religious freedom. I think there's a danger uh, of our country losing that commitment. And the reason is quite simple. If you don't value religion, why would you care about religious freedom? And as you know, our country is becoming more and more secular all the time. And because of that, the issues of religious freedom are in some sense more fragile today than they've had been historically. In our own case, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, you might have read in the newspaper the last several months that we've had a problem with the ability to do foster care um, after our Catholic principles. You know, we define a family in the Catholic Church as a mother and father who come together for the sake of children. And when it comes to adoption and foster care, that's the kind of family we want to be of assistance to. Um, the city of Philadelphia has a clause that requires that anyone who serves in foster care also be open to placing children in alternative kinds of families. You know, and we don't do that. And because of that, they won't let us do foster care. Uh, we, we have uh, appealed that decision to the courts of Pennsylvania and also to the federal courts, which we continue to do, and the reason why is now we don't want to be prejudiced against anybody, but we want to be free to do what we do. And we do foster care very, very well. Everybody acknowledges that. And there's a great need for foster care. And we're kept out of it because of a disagreement about do we have the right to act as we act as Catholics because of religious freedom or not. So you see, those are the kind of things that we should be thinking about. Um, and we should be vocal about it, actually. You know, that we, it's something that we should stand up for, for religious freedom, which doesn't mean simply the freedom to worship, which everyone has, 
but also the freedom to be religious in our workplace, you know, in, in the world in which we find ourselves and to promote our religious values. So think about that and pray about it and then do what you can to make sure this is an issue that is understood and, and talked about in your, in, among your family members and in our broader community. It's very important. Patriotism is the love of country. It's related to the fourth commandment of honoring our families, our mothers and our fathers. And our patriotism is about honoring the broader family of our communities, whether it be our city, our county, our state, the country, you know. And it's a virtue uh, to love our fellow citizens and to work for what we call the common good. You know, Catholics have two principles that are basic foundational principles of social justice. One of them is to protect the dignity of every individual in all circumstances at all time. And the second is to work together for the common good. And they all have to come together. Otherwise, we're selfish if we're just working for individuals. And if we don't respect individuals, we're not really working for the common good or working for the good of a, of a machine or something like that. And so any decisions we make politically and the decisions we want from our political leaders are decisions that promote the dignity of every individual in all circumstances and to promote the common good of the community. That doesn't always mean the good of the most, it means the good of everyone, you know. So we sometimes have to make decisions that are uncomfortable for ourselves. You know, like if, if most people wouldn't want immigrants, that wouldn't be a good thing uh, because everyone has a right to immigrate for the good of their families. We have a right to certainly have laws and rules to regulate immigration but it isn't the majority against the minority. You know, it's, a, it's working for the common good of everyone whenever, in, in all the ways that that would be possible. So this is a complicated matter, isn't it? All these things are complicated, but uh, that doesn't excuse us from becoming involved. So we ask the Lord to help us be good citizens as we celebrate the anniversary of the birth of our country and of our American Constitution which was written where? Right here in Philadelphia. You know, the center of, of religious freedom really in the United States. So, today's scripture readings. Pope Francis, from almost the beginning of his pontificate, which is about five years old now, I think, has talked about Jesus's followers, that's us, the disciples of the church, about being missionary disciples. Uh, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be his follower, requires that we be missionaries. And what that means simply is that we bring the good news of Jesus and his teachings to others. So, Today's gospel is a list of rules that Jesus gave his first disciples as they began the process of being missionary disciples. Now, before we get into these directions, we have to ask the question, uh, am I a missionary disciple? 
do I want to be a, a missionary disciple? It seems that we wouldn't want to be missionary disciples unless one or, or two things are part of our way of living. Uh, one would be that we love Jesus. Why would we be missionaries about Jesus and his teachings unless we love the Lord, right? So to be a missionary disciple means you've got to have the energy that's driven by love and commitment. And the second thing we have to have, in addition to loving the Lord Jesus as our Lord, is to love the church as our mother. Now, the church is the community of the faithful, right? And another reason that would give us energy in being missionary disciples is if we thought our community has something to give other people. So loving the Lord and loving the church are two foundational and fundamental principles that have to be in place before we can be missionary disciples. So I don't want you to raise your hands, but if you don't love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, these, mission, these commands about being a missionary disciple don't make much sense. And if you don't think the church is a good place for people to end up, why would you bother? right? So if you haven't yet made a commitment to Jesus and his church, I hope you'll still pay attention, but these will seem like unrealistic demands on you. Okay, so let's look at what Jesus had to say. At that time, this is St. Luke's Gospel, at that time, the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others, that meant in addition to the 12 apostles, whom he sent ahead of him, that meant their role was to prepare the way for Jesus in the lives of these people. You know, Jesus was gonna eventually come, but the role of a missionary disciple is to prepare the way for him. Whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He sent them in pairs. First of all, 72. Why 72? Well, apparently, the people of Jesus' time in Israel thought there were 72 countries in the world. You know, there are a lot more than that, right? And the country borders have changed through history. But this is Jesus signaling to his disciples that they were to be missionaries to the whole world world and not just to Israel. And he sent him ahead of him in pairs for a couple of reasons. One, so that each of them would have the support of another, because when things get tough, it's difficult for us to go alone. And it's an essential quality of Christian discipleship to do it in a community and from a community. So one of the reasons was to give support to one another. But also the Jewish people believed that nothing could be spoken about as being true unless there was an official witness. There had to be two people in order to give public testimony. So this was a sign that Jesus wanted his disciples to have support but also wanted them to give public witness to the truth of what he was teaching. 
And he said to them, here are the rules. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. So the first command for missionary disciples is that we pray. You know, we don't, Christians don't just act. In fact, unfortunately, they don't act at all sometimes, right? But to be a Christian is a two-sided thing that you pray and act. You make acts of faith and you do things, you know. But there's, there's no discipleship without a relationship with God and an acknowledgement that all success comes from Him and doesn't come through our own efforts by ourselves. And so prayer is an essential part of what it means to be a missionary disciple. So if you want to draw other people to Jesus, if you want to be a missionary of others to bring them to him, or if you want to bring them into the church, you have to be a woman of prayer, a man of prayer. It's an essential. It's the first rule that Jesus gives in this list of rules for missionary disciples. Number two, go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. What a terrible image, you know. You know, Jesus can't be accused of not telling us the cost of discipleship right up front, right? That if we are going to be missionary disciples, it's like being a lamb in a crowded community of wolves. And what do wolves do to lambs? They chew them up, right? Jesus is telling us if we want to be missionary disciples, we have to have a realistic understanding of the cost of that in our lives and a realistic understanding of the world in which we live that isn't always friendly towards the gospel. You think that if you know, we're just good and we try to do good things, everything's going to be fine, but Jesus' death on the cross shows that isn't the case, right? You know, he is the lamb, uh, the lamb of God, the first one who went among wolves, and the cost, of course, was his crucifixion on the cross. I point behind me to the cross in front of the altar. So it's going to be costly to be a missionary disciple, and you have to be willing to pay that cost, or you're going to quickly pack your bags and go home. And speaking about bags, that's the next rule. Number three, Jesus says, carry no money bags, no sack in which they carried their possessions, no sandals. What he's talking about is a second pair of sandals. In other words, missionary disciples can't be focused on personal property, personal um, success, personal uh, possession of many, many things. To be a missionary disciple means we have to be free of those things so that we can be free for the preaching of the gospel and of service to other people. The next one seems kind of strange. Rule number four, read no one along the way. Doesn't sound very friendly. What Jesus is getting at here, he says, when you're going to be a missionary disciple, you can't get distracted. You can't end up in the bar at five o'clock every night having drinks, having a good time, talking about what's going on, you know, at the latest football game or the latest political situation in the country. It means to be kind of single-minded and single-hearted 
in the preaching of the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be boring people, right, that, that never relax or have fun, but it means you have to be clear and committed if you're going to be successful as a missionary disciple of Jesus. Rule number five, into whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. You know, we're not to be disturbers of the peace. We're supposed to be people who bring peace. Now, sometimes Christians historically have been considered disturbers of the peace. That's why the Romans persecuted the Christians. They thought they were trying to overturn society as it was known. Uh, so we're sometimes accused of being disturbers of the peace when we preach the gospel. But at the heart of the matter, Jesus is telling us that we shouldn't be like, like Marines in the service of preaching the gospel. We should be gentle and loving like lambs. And we should bring peace to the houses of the people with whom we associate. Rule number six, stay in the same house and drink and drink and eat and drink what is offered to you for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. In other words, be satisfied with what you have. Don't start looking to get things better, you know. Get an upgrade uh, as you try to be a missionary disciple. Although I sure like get upgrades when I'm on planes, don't you? But that is, we're not supposed to be looking for upgrades. We're supposed to be looking, um, you know, to be wherever the Lord puts us, we need to be satisfied that we're, we're there. I'm in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I'm not in the Archdiocese of Honolulu. Although I think this is a much better place than Honolulu, actually. I just had to make a point. You know the point I'm making. We have to be satisfied where the Lord places us. And then Jesus says, number seven, say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand for you. You know, that we bring a message for individuals, helping them to understand that the kingdom of God, which means the place where God reigns, is here for you. This is a moment of encounter with God, a very important moment, and this is the, this is the time for you to respond. The kingdom of heaven is here for you. Now, you want to be missionary disciples? If you want to you, and you want to be effective, you better follow those rules. Or things get in the way. And the thing that gets in the way the most is yourself. Because all of these are about forgetting ourselves, making ourselves free from ourselves so we can be available to God and to others. And then finally, at the very end of this, Jesus also, it says the disciples went out and they apparently followed his instructions and they were very successful. They were healing the sick and driving out demons and they came back. This is what it says. The 72 returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. They felt really good about themselves because they were successful, even to the point of casting out devils and Jesus said to them, Do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And don't rejoice because you have power or you've been successful or people think you're really good, but rejoice because God has written your name 
in his heart in heaven. Yeah, that's really what counts, being loved by the Lord rather than being successful. The Lord doesn't always give us an itinerary of success as missionary disciples, but he, also, he always gives us an itinerary of being loved by him. So, missionary joy, rejoicing in being loved by the Father. Now, I hope we have a lot of missionary disciples. We certainly need them in the church today. Uh, it used to be when I was you know, 15 or 16 years old and this passage was read in church, everybody thought it applied to the nuns and to the priests. They were the ones who God called to be missionary disciples. They're the ones who God called to take, you know, to, to go without possessions and to preach without fear. But that's not true. Jesus did not address this to the 12 apostles. He addressed it to the 72, to everyone, right? All of us who are called to be disciples to the, God, to the world. And although we do pray for vocations to the priesthood and religious life, the most important vocation to pray for is a vocation to obe obe the obedience of baptism, you know, because that's more important and foundational than the priesthood or religious life. So may the Lord make each of us here a true missionary disciple filled with missionary joy. Amen.